Hello, Maverick fans. Welcome to another edition of the Mav Puck Cast. As always, thank you for tuning in and taking a listen to the crazy things we have to talk about. I am Jason. And I am John. And I am here today. This is Bridget. So, yes, Bridget joins us on the Mav Puck Cast tonight, which is a, a pleasant surprise, kind of a last minute decision. Um, we've got some things to talk about with hockey returning to Baxter Arena and the perspective of people who actually were there is an important thing for all of our listeners. So thank you both for coming in and braving COVID and the likes of the arena to tell us kind of how it is for those of us who want to live vicariously through you. Well, when there's a hockey attendance streak at stake, you got to do it. Keep it alive. That's right. Well, before we get to how all of that shakes out, shall we talk about what actually happened in the games? It was momentous. Yes, history was made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we uh, we relieved some pressure. Let's say Maddie finally got, the got off, off the our team. Back. Yeah, Maddie finally got off the team's back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what did they? They said like a. Six year. So was that that was that the January tenth, two thousand fifteen? That's what they said. Okay, so that was still in the CenturyLink Center years. That was before Baxter Arena. That was before the Frozen Four. That was before Mike Gabinet was even an inkling in our eye. Well, no, he was. Wasn't he an assistant at that? <laughs> no, no, no. He didn't become an assistant until after Dean Blaze's first season That's at right. Baxter Arena. Ugh. Yep. Wow. Okay, this is going back into history. Wow. And that yeah, was a one Yeah, someone told one me zero. that he was never uh he was never at the CenturyLink. That when he played you guys were at the Civic and when you coached her is at Baxter. No, so yeah, so Gabinet was here his last season during the Civic years and 0304 was his last season and that would have been the was that the that was the first, first season year. at the Century Quest Link. Center, which then became the CenturyLink Center. So he got one year he in the new one arena. year there, and okay. that was that was an eight win season. So it was that it was, was brutal. A, yeah, yeah brutal. So I'm sure he remembers it fondly. <laughs> <laughs> I I'd like to forget it. Yeah, I'd like to forget that season. You follow a team long enough, I think we all end up with seasons like that. So. So Saturday was kind of looking like the uh, the usual DU-UNO series. Um, UNO should have played a lot better and just didn't. DU, I think, manhandled Omaha the whole night. Um, you guys were there in person. Do you agree with that assessment of the Saturday evening game? Well, we were definitely talking about it on uh, group chat during the game because, you know, I can't just turn around and, and make com comments to you. Um, <laughs> but it, it did seem like they had lost a step a bit from the performance at Colorado College, which at Colorado College, they looked like they were kind of tired um, as well. But we we just kind of felt like they were not as um, pressed or they were a little uninspired on Saturday night. And I, I don't know if maybe they got a little bit into their own heads with, you know, where they place in the standings and, you know, DU kind of struggling when they were here in the pod. And even after um, they kind of been ebb and flow a lot, the D the or the North Dakota DU series 
uh, was kind of one of those that you had a good game and then had a poor game. And so it's kind of right. like back and forth ping pong for him. So part of me wonders if UNO didn't get in their own heads thinking, yeah, we got this. This isn't the DU team we're used to. And then realized, well, this is still the DU team that's possible. Yeah. And I do wonder if playing that series out of Colorado college on Monday and Tuesday, and then turning right around and Saturday and Sunday playing at home against DU had an effect. I don't know. Cause obviously during the pod, they were playing games like, you know, back to back and every couple days. So it shouldn't have been a factor. But maybe maybe it was with everything that went on with the team with COVID and traveling, because obviously during the pod, they didn't really have to go anywhere other than, you know, down the block to the residence in. So, I mean, maybe that's what happened. I, I don't know, but it it was kind of a, an inauspicious start when we give up a shorthanded goal to Denver to start the game. And I I wouldn't say that we were playing well before that, so... Once that happened, I was I was actually pretty concerned. I was like, oh, God, this is going to be bad. Yeah, and two guys got the goal for Denver that sounded like, you know, bounty hunters from the Star Wars saga. You've got Yako Heikkinen and Antti Tuomisto. I don't, you know. I can't pronounce I don't know. either. I don't know how the hell to pronounce those names. So Nick Hanley had his... His work cut out for him. That's for sure. We definitely weekend. need a, a pronunciation guide on Station those guide. on those triple word scores. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and Denver was without uh, Krona, their goalie, because he had been uh, injured in that North Dakota series yeah, too. Yeah, he so was still going through concussion protocols. So. They may have underestimated um, Denver's two backup goalies, and maybe you know didn't quite have the hustle that they needed to and it sure bit them quite yep quite well yeah and you and still kind of recovering from covid we we're still without a couple players and that um i think most notably was taconic still not being on the back end uh it surprised me so far this season how much of a difference he makes for uno um just kind of that reliable you know, presence on the back end. And, you know, we were missing him Saturday night, but he does return Sunday. And he had some key plays on Sunday. So I definitely would agree yeah. with you on that. Yeah, it, we definitely, you know, obviously we didn't have Randall Tyconic or uh, uh, Brandon Scanlon in the lineup for Colorado College. And that, you know, obviously that meant that it was a long gap between the last time they played, which was December 21st. So, there might have been a little bit of rust, and it, it obviously changed the dynamic on the team. And then you've got a couple of those guys back in the lineup this week on Saturday, and then uh, you had all three in the lineup uh, on Sunday. So, yeah, so that was no, that was just a tough, it was a tough game. And it kind of, I will say that the first game back in person, it kind of felt like we were sort of watching the Mavs of old. So it, it felt very comfortable and very familiar, Jason. <laughs> it was just a tough game. Obviously, Matt Miller, you know, he scored a power play goal in the first. So it tied it up one to one. So you're still hopeful at that point. But the next two periods just really didn't go our way. Yeah, we had we had almost nothing working for us in the second. Um, and, you know, an early goal by Crone for DU really just kind of set. I think set the tone for the second period and we we're just kind of on our on our heels chasing everything 
kind of the whole way through. And then, you know, penalties come back to bite us again. Um, we had two in the second period that just were, it seemed like right when we start maybe making a little bit of a push, you think they're kind of starting to figure things out and then you're having to kill another penalty. Um, and as good as our penalty kill has been, we need to be cautious about relying on it too heavily. Definitely. That that penalty kill is outstanding, but the more you find yourself in the box, the fewer those opportunities are to, to make up ground in that second period, which is just a killer on Saturday night. Yeah. So DU gets two in the second and then caps it off with a fairly early goal in the third, and they skate away with a 4-1 win on Saturday. And at that After point, that at, game, yeah, at, at that point, we're very excited that this wasn't a three game series <laughs> as it originally been <laughs> scheduled because we're like, man, Thursday, Saturday, I Sunday. I don't know. I don't know how this is going to go. <laughs> how were you feeling about our chances on Sunday night after that game? I, uh, to be honest with you, I I was not for I just wasn't confident at that point. And I picked a sweep. I, I said we'd sweep these guys. Last week on the podcast, what were you thinking, Bridge, going into the... Oh, I was joking that maybe we should give them the home locker room again, because that seemed to work during the pod. (laughs) But no one seemed to take me up on that offer, and so I'm glad that it worked out despite that, because uh, that would have been even a weirder experience at Baxter to see it in person. Yeah, they say that uh, the home bench has the advantage because the penalty boxes are right there and I don't know I'm I'm starting to question that decision as to how to lay out this (laughs) ring (laughs) I think we're getting too comfortable in our close by penalty boxes I think that's the bigger issue (laughs) yeah you know maybe there needs to be a little bit more of a punishment (laughs) from the team on that because it really like I mean we've we've killed good lord was it 40-something? 40-something straight? 5, 40. It's in the 40s. I remember when we finished, like where we finished, but I, I mean, I just, you that streak can't continue, and the announcers on the radio uh, on the broadcast when we were watching and stuff had mentioned that, you know, don't chastise them for um, jinxing the streak and stuff because that's apparently what their job is, was is how he phrased it. Um <laughs> I'm not so sure that's why they're employed is to jinx our streaks. But, you know, like they said, you really can't just continue to rely on this because eventually all streaks come to an end. And I fear this ending in one of those like four for four power play goals, you know, nights for like North Dakota or something. And I'm just like, oh, so at the most inopportune time. Yeah. You know. When you're three points back playing North Dakota for, you know, top spot in the NCHC, and we're going to end up with giving up four power play goals and losing, you know, four to three, and you sit there going, we literally lost that because we couldn't stay out of the box. Yep. So, but we move on. We go to Sunday. I think the, at least for me, they look like a different team completely, like right out of the gate. Uh, it was clear that you know they were setting a tone that UNO is capable of skating with Denver and the streak ends tonight. Well, and getting that first goal is so critical, 
especially for this right. team and their confidence. So that you knew when when Jimmy Glenn scored that it was going to be different. Jimmy Glenn's first career goal for the Mavericks. And that's big. That's one of those high emotion goals because it's the kids first and you know, the whole team you could see just kind of swarm them in that and, and that's hockey. I mean, it's amazing the camaraderie that happens on these teams. You know, everyone's pulling for the for the other guy and stuff. So to to see that happen, I think really kind of um, you know, lit a fire under them. And I think it showed, you know, that was pretty late in the first, so there's a chance that you lose that momentum with the with the locker room talk and stuff. But I thought they came out in the second period and did pretty well. Yeah, and I, I do want to say on Jimmy Glenn, congratulations to him. His parents were in the building. Yep. I believe you said that, Bridge. It was on Twitter, yep. And um, and Jason and I, when we did our season preview, we had no idea who Jimmy Glenn was, and that's <laughs> that's the comment we made. And he has been a real bright spot on this team so far this season. So uh, good job for the freshman there. Um, exciting things to come from him as we progress. But it was great for him to get his first goal. And like we were saying, that really set the tone for the team. Well, and one thing I was really excited to see is that the, they didn't give a goal up right away. Right. Because that's happened a lot to you. Jason, you mentioned that emotional high. And it's easy to kind of let down, especially late in the period, after that emotional feeling, just, you know, let one in. And so I was really glad to not have that happen on Sunday night. I think we talked about that a couple of times last season in the podcast was the number of times that UNO would, you know, get up by a goal and then just immediately seemingly on the next face off, you know, the team skates down and ties it up or, you know, we tie it up and they just skate down and, you know, take the lead back. And it's just like, this team's got to get better at that point in time where you're saying this team's got to get better about, you know, playing with the lead or, you know, preserving, you know, a nil-nil game just to get to the point where you know, they have an opportunity, give them a chance to win. And you don't do that when you have those kind of mental lapses. And uh, I think they've been much better this year about not having that happen as much. Um, but like you said, Bridge, that's, uh, that's definitely something you worry about late in the period like that after that emotional goal is, are you going to be ready for the next face-off? Exactly. And, you know, Smallage takes the penalty at the end, so part of me was just worried about the fact that, you know, was going to get you know, essentially a minute and a half, two minutes, almost a full two minutes of, of clean ice. So kind of worried a little bit about going into the second period, but uh, halfway through, give or take, I think, is uh, when Denver ties it up. And what were you thinking at that point in time? Here we go again. Yeah, here we go. I was, I was a little bit worried. And I got to tell you, since I'm since I'm pointing out the, you know, European names on the roster, it's, you know, Slava Denim or De- Demon, not De- it's not Denim, not like James. <laughs> Cohen Olashevsky had one of the assists on there. They're based they remind me that they're basically like, you know, name-wise, they're basically like the you know, the uh, Detroit Red Wings were back in the 1990s when they had all of the all of the Russian players on the roster. We've got a lot of uh, Euros on the uh, DU roster. I know that they've done a good job recruiting out of there. So yeah, so it's tied one to one at that point. I was, I was, I was worried. I was worried. I was like, oh man, let's let's. Denver strikes again. Denver strikes again. We're like, is this because this year has looked like the year we were going to finally break through 
And I'm thinking, you know, home games, good opportunity to do that. And then like they tie it up and I'm like, oh no, is it going to, or are we going to fall apart? What's going to happen? And what happened was penalties all at once. We get the, the matchings with um, Capone and Smallage, the matching roughings for after the whistle shenanigans, which we'll discuss at some point. <laughs> and then Durflinger gets the extra slash, and that's what puts UNO on the power play at the end of the second. And I was I was wondering, you know, our power play hasn't been it hasn't been terrible, but it really hasn't been great. Um, you know, they move the puck well, but it doesn't seem. I think we've talked about it before, John. Uh, there didn't seem to be a whole lot of urgency to get the puck to the net and and get shooting uh, lanes opened up and opportunities to try to score some of the goals. But I thought that they came out on that power play and were really focused. Um, and did a good job of getting pucks to the net. And Taylor Ward gets rewarded with a power play goal. Yeah, great goal for him. Great for UNO to get up two to nothing at that point. That's a that's a real momentum boost heading into the second intermission. And and um, it's always good to see. Obviously, we've talked a lot about how he's been one of our kind of go to players the last couple of seasons and uh, he got off to a little bit of a slow start in the pod, but he's really kind of come into his own the last couple of series. So that was great to see. And that was a really important goal. I think for UNO to set the tone, to set the tone going into the third period. So third period starts UNO's up. What are you thinking at that point in time? Well, I'm thinking Bridget said to me, a one-goal lead is never enough. I did say that. <laughs> Especially against Denver. Exactly. They score in bunches sometimes. Yep. So that And that's exactly, you know, what we were hoping wouldn't happen is that they would, you know, turn it around again. We get an early power play and get a little bit of a cushion there. Yeah, about a 425 into the third period, Mr. Dependable, Kevin Conley, gets a goal. Again, another go-to guy for UNO. He really is, you just, you kind of go into every game thinking he's going to get a goal. I believe I tweeted that he was a beast out there, and then just shortly thereafter, he scored. I think that's well done. That you need to just, yeah, you just need to keep that, that on. Out. You just need to schedule those for just, you know, earlier in the day, just boom, 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 boom. <laughs> But he was. He was really hustling out there. He is one of the hardest working guys on the ice consistently, and it certainly paid off there and gave the Mavs a little bit little bit more wiggle room. And it's got to be exciting for him against DU since he uh, originally played for DU and then transferred to UNO. So I, 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 it always seems like he gives a little bit more during the series. So Yeah, like you said, Bridge, consistency. That's the thing that I think has been – the biggest asset for Conley is, is just even when he's not on the score sheet, like he brings it every game. And there's some other guys on the team and stuff that have great games, but there's always seems to be one here and there where they just kind of disappear. Right. Uh, and it seems like Conley never disappears. Like, you know what you're getting out of him and you're going to get it every game. 
Yep. And his presence on the ice is definitely noticeable. Like you'll notice, oh, Conley's out there. Oh, there he is buzzing right. behind the net. You know, he's he's making plays. He's making his himself noticed and he's making his teammates better. Absolutely. Well, and his goal kind of opens up a little bit of a scoring onslaught, the little ping pong match, because we get three goals in the span of like two minutes. Conley starts in the power play. Uh, Crone gets one for Denver to pull them back, you know, a little closer. It's, and then... it's three to two at that point. So you're again, you're like, oh, man, what's going to happen oh. down the stretch here? But Taylor Ward gets us that insurance goal back, and UNO has a 4-2 lead. And that was a great goal. The assist came from Primo off of the faceoff. Terrific goal. Second goal of the game for Taylor Ward. Bang, bang play. Just, they I'm, really needed it. i got to be honest with you. I'm feeling good at that point. Bridget's still <laughs> nervous. But I'm feeling good. I'm like, this is going to be, this is going to be it. I'm, I'm, of course, monitoring Twitter and, you know, heavy breathing um, little, you know, memes are being shared among the fans. And, you know, some fans are, are teary. There was there was lots of emotional reports being made on Twitter yes, at this point. I'm trying not to cry. Yes, it was it was very emotional because you're like, is this finally yeah. going to be the moment during COVID when there's maybe 500 people tops in this arena? Are they going to break through? And, you know, I think that's what we miss, right? That's what we miss about sports and the age of COVID and, and everything kind of getting thrown up in the air. And that is we miss that that nervous excitement of can we get that equalizer? Or in this case, can we hold on to beat a team that's just been our nemesis for so long? Um, and while there I, were... I mean, I, I, I would say while there were the, fans there, it wasn't like the fans were necessarily sparking the team. It was it was still quiet. So Right. Yeah. And you know, we'll talk about the the environment and stuff, but you had mentioned that, you know, the attendance was kind of low on that Sunday night. So it's interesting that they weren't feeling that, but at least we're sending their vibes from home, that's for sure. <laughs> I was certainly nervous for him. Uh, the goalie change when they pull the goalie, uh, I was kind of like, oh boy. Um, Savoy was out there, you know. Crone had already had one; he was out there, so I was like, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Um, but Matt Miller gets an empty net goal, pretty much seals the deal with less than a less than a half minute or so, about a half minute left in the game. I mean, it's Denver's down five two. It's it's a done deal basically at that point in time. Yep. They weren't they weren't they weren't coming back from that, which was great. <laughs> so six six years in the making. I yeah, I gotta be honest with you. I I don't even remember I don't even remember what it was like six years ago to be honest with you, but but yeah, I, I we had not beat them in the Baxter Arena era. So pretty exciting to be able to get that win in the first home series after the new year for UNO. Yeah, I remember uh, a coach saying once to me that uh, we were we were on like a four or five game win streak, and he goes, and we had lost, and he goes, well, tomorrow morning we start another, you know, streak. Yeah. My my concern is is that now we're on the opposite side of this. Like, I really hope 
that today is not the day that we start another six-year losing streak yeah, in Denver. Six, six years from now. You know, we've only won, beat them once in the last 12 years. <laughs> well, it reminds me a little bit of the struggles that UNO had had um, with Alaska um, yep. back in the Kemp era, where we would go up there and we would just, I mean, we could not win to save our lives. Right. And once we finally broke through, uh, it continued. So I'm optimistic that now that they have uh, gotten Maddie the monkey off of their back, that mm -hmm. they can, um, you know, build on that. Because I honestly thought uh, going into to COVID last last year, you know, UNO was headed to Denver for the playoffs, and I actually felt pretty optimistic at that point that maybe that would be our time to to you know break the streak. So it took about a year <laughs> longer than I thought, but I think that this is a turning point for um, this rivalry and can we call it a rivalry? I don't know. Um, but I think that this has um, really uh, a lot of promise for the Mavs. They've shown themselves to be incredibly resilient this season in the spite of a lot of obstacles. And I think this is just another example of how I think we've turned the corner. Yeah, and uh, it can be a good thing for UNO with their recruiting class and, and bringing in kids and making sure that this is a consistent thing, that they're competing for NCHC titles each year and stuff. This could be a big season for them. Um, you know, We talked about the issues that Hockey East and stuff are having. Um, you know, there's there's more eyes who are looking for hockey. You know, that might be looking towards uh, NCHC and and the teams that are here or something, and that might get UNO some looks from kids in places that they haven't got looks from. Exactly. Yeah, maybe some Euro players with names <laughs> that we can't pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> we we need our own Yesheshki or something. And... Well, we we are getting some players from Quebec. And I will tell you that some of those, uh, so far the guys, uh, the names are, are are familiar. But that that over time, that could that could some of those French Canadian names could be interesting. So, so. Uh, so I'm gonna yeah. pull out the uh, the language learning app and brush up on my French. Yes, Ro Rosetta Stone. Do they still make that? You can uh, <laughs> yes get that and uh, learn your French because you're gonna need it here uh, a few years down the road. You know, we're really going to need to get these licensing deals all kind of worked out, you know, so that these product promotion plugs get us some Hashtag ad. If you want to understand the future Mavericks, get Rosanna. Use our code MAVPUCKCAST to get 20% off your first lesson. Yeah, exactly. We're, yeah. we're down with that. We're, yeah. If anyone's listening out there and needs some product placement, give us a call. That's right. Send us a tweet. <laughs> All right, let's talk uh, players. Looks like we'll get three this time, players for the weekend. So this was actually a weekend, unlike last time we did this. Yeah. You Who, want me to go? Going first? I'll go first. All right. I'll go first. I'm going to pick the freshman, Jimmy Glenn, getting his first goal as a Maverick. That was very exciting um, and really an important goal in the series. I, You know, if UNO had not scored first on Sunday night, who knows what might have happened? Obviously, UNO came out with a little bit more jump. They played better. They won a lot of face-offs in that Saturday game. But I really think Glenn getting the goal was important to set the tone. And I, I always like to see uh, uh, the freshmen start to uh, become uh, key contributors for the team. So I'm going to go with the freshman, Jimmy Glenn, 
definitely a player to watch here in the next couple series. Some pretty big accolades. He gets his first goal and his uh, first pick as player of the weekend from that's, John. Huh? That's right, man. It's, it, it doesn't get much better than that. Check and check. Check and check. <laughs> his career at UNO is done. He can retire now. <laughs> when you're recognized on the Mav podcast, that's it. That's you all you need. the peak. Yep. It is all downhill from here. <laughs> that's, that's peak hockey right there. <laughs> Bridget, right. who you I'll, got? I'll jump in. So my uh, player of the week, and I never get to do this, so we're gonna we're gonna wing this thing. Is uh, Taylor Ward um, with two two goals and an assist on the Conley goal? Uh, Wardo, uh, they had a really cute little in-game video where uh, apparently kids drew pictures of their uh, favorite hockey players. Did they show that at home? To you guys? No, we. Uh, I don't remember seeing that. Okay, so it was really cute. That been pretty cool. The the Wardo picture was immediately recognizable to all of the players that were asked to guess who was being pictured in this, and so uh, not only for his um, you know ability to stand out on the jumbotron in a coloring uh, contest, but also for his on ice performance, I give my kudos to Taylor Ward. I completely agree with that, and I'll tell you. It's I, the thing I'm most excited about is he's the son of a North Dakota legend who decided to come to UNO. And I'm really glad he did because he would have been terrorizing us, you know, <laughs> on the op- opposition, on the opposition team the last uh, couple seasons had he uh, made the decision to go to Grand Forks. So I'm very excited that he came here and that was a really good weekend and a good game on. Uh, he also had, a, in addition to Jimmy Glenn, he had a great game. He was a he may have been the most important player this weekend so he's one we kind of worried about earlier on in the pod he didn't seem to be producing and and i don't know it was just off off to a slow start i think just the the balance of covid and everything being up in the air or something i don't know what it was that just kind of threw him off but we had mentioned you know earlier that that he was struggling with that so it's good to see him kind of back to form and uh if he's if he's getting going if he's going to start start his own little trend and streak here uh, and performing back to what we saw last season. These other teams in NCHC certainly have some things to worry about because you can't key up on his line anymore. Um, Conley on his line and with, uh, with Abate uh, is another dangerous line. And there's really all four lines for UNO have the potential to put the puck in the net. And that's uh, that's a huge asset for the Mavs. Yep. All right. So who's yours? Right. <laughs> well, I'm looking at my list and I'm thinking, well, there's two on here that are kind of like, yeah, you know, I suspect everyone who watched the game could probably realize, you know, one of those two names and, and pick one of those. So I'm going to take the hot take. I'm going to go off the board uh, and I'm going to call out Prokop. Because I like he wasn't on the score sheet. He's not one that if you just look at the ticker tapes, gonna be like, oh yeah, that guy had a good game. But man, he was he was after the puck. He was in position. I liked his tenacity. Uh, so I was really pleased with his uh, performance both nights. And that's kind of one of the things. Like it's easier to pick a guy that has you know has a good night when we win, but I think it's harder to kind of recognize some of the talents in, in the challenges that we had in that first game. Um, so I really kind of went back to that and said, who did I really notice when we were not playing well? 
and he was one of them. So um, the three guys that I had on my list were all ones that I thought did really, really well on Saturday when we were getting outplayed. So. Well, and I love that you so picked a off. defensive player. Yeah. Because it's easy to to see the impact of the the offense, especially in a series like with Denver. But the defense right. is so critical, uh, especially with that team. Yeah, it really it, it always is tempting to to pick a goal scorer or pick the goaltender. Um, <laughs> you know, one one of the two. Pick an offensive threat. Pick the goaltender. But we don't. There are guys like you know. Brandon Scanlon, for example, that those guys are consistently solid every time they step on the ice. And that really is a strength of Mike Gavinette's team this season is the decor. So and Tyconic, which, you know, yep. we talked about, too. Like I said, you know, those right. guys made the plays when they needed to. And that really helps yeah. put us in the right position to win. So, yeah, shout out to to all three of those guys. Well-deserved honors here on the Mav podcast. So before we move on to what comes up with the next series, I think we need to talk about our experiences since you guys and myself had vastly different experiences these two nights. Um, I, let's, I'll get my stuff out of the way before we can hear all of the fun stuff that you guys experienced actually in the rink. Because <laughs> for the most part, the uh, the experience of watching from home was business as usual. Uh, the app didn't want to work. When it did work, it was crappy. The audio wasn't synced up with a video. The video never started. It was black. And then you threw in the whole like UNO broadcasting stuff, which uh, I saw. We all saw um, upset quite a few family members and fans of the Mavericks with their insistence on uh, the basically the minute the whistle blew, they went to a screen that told us to wear a mask. <laughs> and, uh, Be I'm safe at going, home. Did you wear a mask, If Jason? I haven't got I'm it seriously. yet from these three, I'm good to go. So, <laughs> I'm not exactly worried why... Uh, I, I'm not exactly aware of why I need this constant PSA. Uh, considering I'm at home and not at the game. It's, it's frustrating <laughs> because, like basically, yeah. And it, like, it'd be one thing if they did that and they cut the audio and went to music or something like that. But then it's like, it's like salt in a wound because the announcers are talking about, like, oh, these two are pushing and shoving. There's a, you know, there's a dog pile behind the net. I'm like, I can't see it. Here's what you're missing, Jason. <laughs> Sucks like, to be you. This is great. <laughs> This is awesome. I'm going, no, it's not. It's a black screen. This it's it's Ugh. it's irritating because what they basically are showing you is the jumbotron feed that we see sitting in our seats when we look up at the scoreboard, and then they're putting the radio broadcast of Donnie Barnes and Terry Leahy with that. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I'm sure that that's the most expedient way for the folks, the technical folks involved to do it. But I know that like uh, one of the, you know, DU fan accounts was disappointed that they didn't get to see some of the scrums and replays, just basic replays, basic replays, some of the scrums after the whistles. Yeah. I, I I think, and again, I I don't want to, you know, I don't want to dog on them too much, but I think we really did get spoiled by the NCHC's broadcast partner, Midco Sports, for those pod games where we got a professional TV production for the games. I think that that really made a difference as far as the experience. I don't 
often get to see those games from Baxter Arena unless I happen to be going back and watching a game to watch a play because we're at the games. And that was right. the case here. So I, I felt I felt I felt bad for you guys. I felt sympathy for the folks yeah, at home I because, like I said, our Twitter feed was full of that with people wondering what's going on. And like you said, John, I think we were spoiled with the Midco broadcast. And I think people had started to get used to, you know, that that level of production at Baxter particularly. And so it was extra disappointing to them because it really I don't think it changed from last season. I think that's what they'd done previously, but um, it definitely makes it more Obviously, difficult to follow. Yeah, like like John said, you know, we're not watching the games because we're at the games usually. So, but I kind of hoped that you know they'd see the production value out of Midco and step up their game some. And they had these. Uh, they had the student. The what is it, the Maverick Pro- the, the productions or yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, the, um, like the Maverick, the, the Maverick Digital Network, they, they they pumped some money into that like last season or the season, and I don't know if they're still doing that or if that was a victim of budget cuts. I, it might have been a victim of budget cuts because they they did a select number of games last season, and I I hate to pick on them, but man, like the 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 poor Zoom background thing. Where they oh. had the they had one of the, the guys standing there and, and talking and <laughs> it's like this really terrible zoom background and I'm like oh they you're almost be seemed like me. a hologram it was Jason was it terrible and <laughs> that it was a terrible zoom background or was it terrible that it wasn't like a that it wasn't like a sunset on a beach like you normally see when people are doing zoom backgrounds in in video calls <laughs> no is that is that like like it was a it glitched. It was a poor picture. It didn't have the perspective. Like, usually when you want to do, like, from a broadcast standpoint, you want to do that, like, the guy is not as tall as the arena. <laughs> I know this. Are you sure? <laughs> so, like, stop it. And then it's like, he moves his, he, he'd move his, his, his head or his arms or something, and you get that, like, ghosting that happens the on gap. Zoom, right? Where mm-hmm. it can't figure out. Right where you and your background should be. And I'm just like, oh, you guys could do so much better. (laughs) And I think that's the thing that's frustrating to me is, is like, I now know that you're capable of doing better. So do better, please. Yeah. Because we want it. Well, and and because, like you said, Jason, so many people are watching from home, that's their experience. And so... I felt bad for them that they were missing not only the in-person game experience, but then, you know, missing key parts of what was happening. Because a lot of those penalties were things that happened after the whistle. And so you'd miss out on that. You you don't feel as connected to the, the game experience. Yeah, selfishly, I don't like the scrum that happened in the uh, Sunday game that had the matching roughings and the slash that brought it in. I mean, like, I think I saw the slash, but the slash comes pretty late. So I don't see the replay that actually shows it. And then because I cut to it, I didn't see any of the scrumming that ends up with the matching roughing calls. So I'm like, selfishly, I'm sitting here going, what am I going to talk about on the podcast? Like, John's gonna have to <laughs> All I know is, is that we got two roughing 
matching roughing penalties and Denver took an extra slash. And that the extent of what I know. I I feel like the guy who stands in front of you in a presentation and reads his slides to you. Um, and I don't think our fans will like that. <laughs> well, that wasn't the most exciting of the scrums, uh, unfortunately, if I recall that one correctly. So you didn't miss much on that one. But there were some pretty entertaining moments. Joey Abate, you know, you're like, oh, yep, there he goes. Abate, <laughs> yeah. that's a name you, you expect to see in those scrums. <laughs> Guy plays with passion. I love it. Absolutely. So your experience, tell me about how it was being actually in Baxter Arena for the first time since March of last year. So we had that question come up on Twitter, and so I'm glad uh, to be invited to be able to talk about this. And I have a lot of notes, but we do not want to be here all night. So I'm going to kind of condense. Um, I don't know. Jason and I are used to being here all night. So, you know, you do what you need to do. As your editor, yes, I was going to say, as your editor, (laughs) I'm going to edit myself and say, I literally have a page full of notes, but I'm going to kind of narrow it down to a couple of of key topics. This is more preparation than this podcast has had in three (laughs) seasons. She's done more for this segment than we've done. (laughs) More for this segment. That's why we brought Bridget on. Yeah, Spencer Gaskell, one of our fellow UNO hockey fans on Twitter, as Bridget mentioned, asked the question about what the experience was like. And I think a lot of people are curious to know what it was like. Well, and I'm hopeful, too, that there's some opportunities for UNO to make some adjustments this week uh, for things that we identified that maybe needed some attention because North Dakota uh, coming in, if they bring even a, a small fraction of their fans, it's going to be a much different experience. So let me let me kind of talk through a couple of different things. So the first thing uh, that we notice when you come in um, is the security protocols to come in are, are similar to previous, um, well, to last year in particular. Um, we had the clear bag policy in effect. You had to open your coat. I did notice one thing that started off the experience a little bit uncomfortable is they touched the clear bag. Um, which I don't really like people touching my stuff anyway, and I really didn't want, you know, people touching my clear plastic bag. But we did that. We printed out our tickets, so uh, we didn't have the app because I've had that experience before. Sometimes the the person will take your phone because they're having trouble with the thing, and I'm like, I don't want anybody touching yeah, my that, stuff. That was, that was my thought. I'm like, I don't really want them because they do have trouble with that. I didn't want them, like, holding or touching my phone because it's like, I'm going to want to use that the rest of the game. And you just, you just, you got to be cautious. The other, the other thing that was new coming in was they have those like cattle gates, those black cattle gates up at the bottom of the staircase, which they did not have before. Hmm. Okay. So that was a little interesting, but once you get up the stairs and in uh, pretty much what you'd expect, except no programs. And that's something I would encourage fans. If you're going to be coming, um, I know that uh, Roger Humphrey said the app has a lot of, features on it. I'm hoping the roster is on there for folks. I'll probably be printing out uh, my my roster because you you miss having that, especially this being the first in-game uh, experience. There were a lot of freshmen that I wasn't familiar with their numbers, even from tweeting the pod and, and the previous games. And so um, that was a little bit different. So deserted, deserted concourses for the most part uh, going in. Um, they had some hand sanitizer stations set up. Kind of handmade okay. things. They were kind of kind of funny. Uh, yeah. They squirt a lot. So if you come in person, uh, be prepared to be doused in hand sanitizer. Yeah, if, you if you're wearing those. a nice jersey, stand back or just be very <laughs> ginger 
with pushing him. So they had that. They had some signage about masks, which we've seen. I've I've uh, I've gone to a movie uh, at at Exarban Cinema, so they they have kind of similar types of stuff to that. So you have have that around the concourse. They have some little stickers, like going into the restroom, telling you how far uh, you can stand apart. Now I would the three times I went to the restroom this weekend, there was like I don't think there was anybody in there. And I only went to the restroom one time. Boy, we're getting in this TMI segment Well, I'm here. sorry. Just, you know, um, but we're, we're people want the experience. People. people want the details. Um, but in the women's restroom, obviously, there's a lot of stalls, and all of them were available, which I thought was interesting because, again, if you get into a, a situation where you have a lot of fans there, um, one, you don't know you know, which stalls have been used. And then you potentially could have, you know, people coughing in the stall next to you. So I, I was a little uncomfortable about the, the restroom situation, but um, I only went on Sunday and there was virtually nobody in the building. So there was only like two other people, two other women. If you're coming and you're nervous, restroom. adult diapers are. <laughs> sponsored. Are, hashtag sponsored. Hashtag sponsored hey. by. <laughs> yeah, go to depends.com and type in Map podcast to get your 20% <laughs> discount and on free shipping pack. on your first pack. Yeah. Um, okay, so concessions, I think, is probably one of the areas where people had a lot of questions and uh, there was a lot of difference with previous uh, previous years. Now, volunteers um, work the concession stands, and so you would have the tip, tip jar in previous years. This year, it's a uh, cashless experience, and so one thing we heard, I didn't purchase any concessions, but I did hear from some fellow fans that did, that you had to sign for your purchases, and they were reusing the pen, which again, it's that idea of just being uncomfortable touching stuff that other people have touched. Um, so that's probably something they need to work on. But John and I noticed something we really liked about the concessions. I'll let him tell Yeah, you. there's something, and they should keep this all the time, because I know you guys have gotten tubs of popcorn for you guys and the yep. girls to share at games. And we've gotten the tub of popcorn, too. It's it's a it's a great, great item. It's a great item for UNO to sell. It's a high-margin item. I, I, I know this because I, <laughs> okay. I'm sorry, I, I did work for a, I did work for Exarban Cinema for 10 years. So I heard what a high margin item it is. And I've actually designed popcorn tubs and, and the early popcorn tubs at Baxter Arena, uh, as a matter of fact. So, but anyway, they had the round tubs, but they had a plastic, a clear plastic lid that went over that snapped onto the tub, kind of like when, you know, like when you're getting a soft drink or something else and they put a lid on there. Except it was a bubble. It was lid. a bubble. It was like an icy lid. It was kind lid, of like an icy lid. Like but, an icy but rather lid, than having the, the hole. Like it was a gigantic yeah. icy Yeah, but rather yeah. than yeah. having the hole in the top, it was just, and it was great. And I'm thinking that would be, that would be great every time they sell these, regardless of whether there's COVID, just because you see people like holding one of those things, you know, under their arm with a couple of drinks coming up the stairs and there's pieces of popcorn going everywhere. It would probably reduce the amount of cleaning that they have to do if they just put the lid in. It'd be kind of nice to have People it that way. People said it was anyway. great for sharing because you could use the lid as a little sharing portal. So Oh, a, yeah, a little bowl. Um, yeah. I will say my other notes on this. Um, the the nachos appeared to come in a bag, which I thought was come very in a bag, interesting. I think with like a cup of cheese uh, separately yep yeah. um and then all the drinks were served in cups with lids um so that was you know probably again good from the spillage side of stuff because uh even the beer and, and alcohol stuff was lidded um and speaking looked, of that like beer was in a canned beer right i saw somebody with well maybe it was an Did alcoholic drink oh, it was it was probably an alcoholic drink it was not pop it was one of those tall boy cans did you see that one no i didn't see oh that i one. saw somebody with 
Who knows? They may have brought that in with that. Who the hell knows? No, I think they had canned canned <laughs> beverages as well. Sneaky, sneaky. But there was so the other weird experience. If you come to Maverick Hockey and you're expecting to to get your normal um, concession fare, especially those third party vendors, they are not there. Uh, the only stand that I saw apart from the permanent concession stands was they did have a supplemental uh, alcohol stand um, between when we where we come in on the main side and our seats. There was one of those um, because they're trying to keep the concourses as clear as possible. So eat eat ahead of time uh, if you were hoping for barbecue or um, Godfather's Pizza. Godfather's Pizza was closed. Yep. Uh, Chick Fil A, I believe, was closed. Well, they, I think they're a little stand. I don't. They're a little stand. Yeah. So no, I, no I stands can see at them all. From our seats down across okay. the way. So I, yeah. yeah. So food, food definitely a, a change. Now again, so as not to make the people be here four hours, um, the biggest change that you would see is obviously in the seating. So we had heard that UNO had limited capacity to fifteen hundred fans. Uh, neither night. Uh, approach that and in particular Sunday night was uh, sparse would be the generous word for it um, it was fantastic <laughs> there were like fewer than 500 people there it was it was nice it was quiet you could sit and chat there was plenty of room between people there were there were probably there were about 1500 I think they announced maybe 1300 some I think that was uh, over overstated you, you could be right yeah. but there were definitely more people there on on Saturday. Saturday night and quite honestly I mean there were a lot of people that you could tell weren't sitting in the seats because when we bought our seats you could see where the other seats were allocated in our section and in every other section it was weird because you had groups of like eight people sitting together like up in the back of a section you know four in front of the other in in two two rows right in front of each other which was not the way that the tickets the tickets were all every other row and then they were spread out so you had people no masks yeah so the that was the weirdest thing on saturday night is we got there and then somebody came and sat in the row in front of us uh two seats over and so actually you know, your lovely wife, Jason, looked up for us to see if that if they were in the wrong spot, because I um, it, it made me a little uncomfortable. I mean, they were within three feet of my knee. And if I had been if they had been behind me, three feet in front of my knee, I honestly probably would have moved. Um, but because I was breathing on them and I'm covid free, you know, I was like, well, you know, they could take their chances. So <laughs> but. Uh, that was probably the biggest experience. And in talking with people who weren't there, I think that was what they were worried about. And honestly, that was what I was concerned about. Again, John and I, I think that was game 485 for us. No, 484 on Saturday, 485 on Sunday for the streak. And we have been extremely careful uh, to avoid putting ourselves in a situation where we would be the cause of, of missing a, a game. And so I was concerned about going to a game and then picking up COVID and then not being able to continue to attend three weekends in a row of hockey. And that was probably the the most uncomfortable for me was having those folks in front of us on Saturday night. Yeah, it was it was a little nerve wracking. It, it was it was interesting. And I'll, I'm sorry, to Jason, <laughs> but it was interesting because because another UNO fan who actually works for the university, not not in the athletic department, another capacity. When we came into the game on Sunday, he said to us, he's like, did you guys notice that there were, seemed like there were quite a few people not wearing masks? And I said, yeah. I said, they'd get to their seats and they'd be like, well, there aren't too many people around us, so we'll take off the mask. 
And then when they would get up and go down to the, you know, concourse or something to get something, you'd see them putting on the mask again. And I'm like, but it, but they're telling you, as Jason well knows, because he <laughs> saw the graphic during the video broadcast, they're telling you, and it's, it's in Douglas County, you have to wear a mask. Yeah, I, I got, so, I got that they were sitting apart from other people and maybe they were part of their family unit and the people that they, you know, hang out with, but we have a, a client um, that is doing, you know, events and the policy that we came up with, not that we came up with, but that they came up with is you have to make the people who are least comfortable feel comfortable going because the people who, you know, don't aren't as restrictive about it, aren't going to care if people aren't doing it. But like I said, I consider myself, you know, again, trying to to be careful for our parents and and to continue our streak, I am uncomfortable having people not, you know, following the protocol because you're like, okay, if they don't follow that, what else aren't they doing? And it just, like I said, Saturday night in particular uh, made me worried for the North Dakota series. Let's just put it that way. So my question is for all of us, um, like, at what point do you look at this and say, it's not worth it? John and I, we talked about before the second half of the season after the pod about the format and how, you know, the pod made sense because you didn't have fans and the revenue structure in, in college athletics is such that gate sales are not while they they help support a lot of things like it's not really where you make your money um you know a lot of times it's things like concessions particularly alcohol because the margins are so high beer definitely, yeah the, the devil <laughs> the devil's ale apparently. definitely yeah beer uh yeah which quite honestly they kind of go hand in hand a lot of times yep. so that makes sense. it was very salty um, popcorn so that definitely it's it's, it's right. like in-game sponsor revenue you know what because they, they didn't have any of those yeah you're you're well, absolutely they, right they did have they did so, have sponsors rotella sponsored and i felt bad for them because they only reached 500 people right they didn't do some of the promos oh they did though, yeah they, they didn't do do the on ice yeah on ice ice but they had sponsor revenue you're used to yeah and so i guess my question is is just like like at what point in time does the university sit here and say look we thought that we could you know make some money or break even at 1500 fans a game but we're only getting 500 you know a game ticket sales like when is it better just to say no fans that's a, an excellent question, and I think the North Dakota series is going to give you a better picture of what that looks like. And again, I think a lot of people were kind of waiting to see what, you know, was was going to happen with this series. And to, to your nose credit, they did do a lot of things well. Like John said, the signage was excellent. Um, like I said, the hand sanitizer stations. Um, like I said, I think the, the biggest issue was the non-compliance of people wasn't addressed. Like we didn't even have an usher in the the upper bowl on Saturday. And on Sunday, she was hanging out behind the curtain because they had the curtains drawn. Uh, so she, they weren't in their normal spot. So she, she could, nice old lady, she couldn't see the people who were offending. And so, and I'm not sure that UNO would have necessarily had them, had the ushers address stuff. Now, John, you saw something on Saturday night that was interesting. Someone who was sitting in a section across from us that they brought masks to them. 
Oh yeah, there was somebody. There was a couple sitting in the club section where she was not wearing a mask, and the usher came down and handed her handed her one of those kind of blue paper masks that you see a lot of people wearing. So I'm I'm not exactly sure what the story was there. I I thought that that was really interesting. The the, the hard thing for the ushers, and it depends on your personality, but I I think that's a, that's a tough one for the event staff because people have very people have very definitive emotions on the mask thing and they get very emotional about the topic. And so, you know, I'm not saying I want UNO to do this because I think it could open up a whole can of worms that I don't necessarily want to deal with. But I know that the Lancers this weekend had mentioned that they hire an outside security firm to come in and make sure that fans are not, you know, congregating in the concourses and that they're wearing masks and things like that. And it does kind of make you wonder if that would be easier for like a security firm where you're dealing with people who kind of have to deal with those things, you know, more to address that. Yeah, as as opposed to just, mm-hmm. you know, directing you to your seats and the things lovely, of that nature. The lovely older woman who, yeah. who did that. She was she was very kind. So Aside from those experiences, then like I said, people can judge for themselves how comfortable they are on that. One thing I did want to mention about the in-game experiences, we had been told um, through the messaging on the Baxter Arena website that they would not be doing a the traditional post-game celebration. Which makes complete sense. Yes. And on Saturday, obviously, there was no need to address the situation at all. But on Sunday... After the team won, and I have a video, and you you guys can watch it. Um, it's on Twitter, and I also post it in the Mavpuck group. Um, sorry for the uh, cheering and the commentary. Um, but I was expecting some sort of, like, similar celebration or something, and people were kind of just standing around after the team left the ice for a moment or two, and then they realized, you know, it's time to go home, apparently. But that was what was missing from the in-game experience for me is that they said they were going to substitute something and then it just ended. What did you feel, John? Well, they did do something a little bit different than they did on Saturday night. Saturday night, the teams obviously in the conference this season because of COVID rather than doing a handshake, the teams are lining up along the blue line club, blue line, the blue line club. <laughs> I just start talking, just words come out. The blue line, and then they do a stick salute to each other. So they did that on Saturday. Saturday. And then on Sunday, they did that. And then after they win, the team lined up in a circle and did a stick Stick salute salute to the fans. But that was, it was just two stick salutes. And like I said, I was thinking that there would be something of an equivalent to a post-game celebration of some sort. You know, when they first moved to Baxter Arena, they didn't really have room for that lobby celebration. So there had been talk then about, like, having the team come out onto the ice in front of the bench and, like, singing the fight song there. And so I'm sure that that's what you were potentially expecting would happen. I, I don't know what I had in mind, but it, it, it did not materialize. And, and Jason, I don't know, did, where did the broadcast cut off? Two minutes before uh, the game, ended, right? <laughs> okay, right after the empty net goal, we're out of here. We're out of here. We gotta get. We gotta get home. This is... <laughs> they had cut out before they had gotten to the blue line to do the salute to each team. Okay, and they had come back so that we could actually see them salute Denver, and then they cut out again. Okay, and it had gone. <laughs> it was really weird. Because it had gone to the um, Jumbotron screen. 
and which had the three stars the, i think yeah so then we end up seeing the three stars and then Leahy and barnes talk and give their three stars which are not the same three stars weird as what was on the jumbotron so i'm like are we all just picking <laughs> hey <laughs> it's kind of like tonight on I the Mad podcast <laughs> Like I'm gonna tell John to start tweeting. We're gonna start tweeting our three stars ourselves. Maybe we then. should. Ooh, yeah, we could do that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess for me the game experience, and obviously Bridget mentioned the post game celebration. I think for me it's people wanted to know what it was like. I mean, it was it was kind of like when you go to Baxter Arena to watch one of the sports that isn't UNO hockey. Like like sometimes some of the basketball games because we for two seasons we were season ticket holders, and there were certain games where you just had very few people in the arena and it was kind of quiet and very subdued. And that's kind of what it felt like for those games. It wasn't, it obviously didn't have the energy or the excitement. Um, you know, fans still got up and cheered and did the UNO chant and that kind of stuff. And you had the, a couple of the red army guys, you know, hitting the buckets down there uh, next to the student section. But. So I would say if you're expecting to come to the games and have it feel like the hockey experience that you are used to, this is not, it's, I hope it's not the new normal. I don't think it is. But I, I definitely think that it was not the experience that you were used to. I will say, though, it's nice being back watching hockey at Baxter Arena again. That was that was a little bit um, of a familiar feeling, you know, and, and it was nice to have that. But we miss all of our friends, especially you guys, you know, Jason and Julian and your kids climbing over the seats to sit by us and <laughs> – yeah, it was it was nice to it was nice to see some of our fellow fans and uh, and uh, and Greg picked up the the fish with the Mavboni and you know some things were were similar. I threw streamers on Sunday night. We will not discuss what happened in one of those experiences. <laughs> I my apologies to the poor guy six rows down. Um, John almost banned me from ever throwing again. But yeah, it's, it's it's it was bad. It was really bad. Yeah, it's it's a game time decision uh, this week. We'll have to see what happens, but it was it was bad. But yeah, there was one other fan up there throwing streamers, so that's kind of one of those little traditions. But yeah, it wasn't as exciting. But it was honestly, I really enjoyed getting being able to get out and watch you in hockey, despite the fact that you're worried the whole time that you're gonna pick up, you know, a deadly plague while you're there. I mean, it's just that's and that's that's not something I normally have to worry about when I go to hockey. But this is. This is where we're at. So it's like, and it would have been better if we'd played that North Dakota series that's coming up this next week. If we had played that back on New Year's weekend, then we'd have like two weeks till the next series. And it's like, well, you know, if I picked anything up, I'll find out here in the next two weeks. <laughs> and then when I'm back at the, you know, but now it's like, just got to get through these next next two weekends. And then we get a long break and then we have a single game against North Dakota. So just, just like holding in there, just well, holding my breath, literally I, and figuratively. I was going to say, to that point, I, I'm going to pack my face shield for the North Dakota series. Because, like I said, if some of these issues aren't addressed, I was concerned enough about, you know, some of the things that I would want to make sure that I was, you know, protecting myself. She may look like a, a worker from the CDC. I, I may point, I yeah, may be full, exactly. full hazmat. So, but I reserve that right because, like I said, it is about the, the comfort of the fans. And, Jason, to your point, if it isn't – if people don't feel comfortable coming, 
UNO might have to make the decision about whether they want to pay for the staffing and and the rest of the stuff to make it possible for fans. I hope by fall of 2021 that this is, you know, not something that we have to consider anymore. But with these home series, um, you know, back to back to back, um, you, you you just hate to have something happen um, where people, you know, felt unsafe coming and have that affect their uh, feelings about UNO hockey in the long term. Yeah. So mentioning the uh, North Dakota series. Aha. Segway. So we move on to nice, uh, nice, nice segue there. Nice. Yeah, yeah, well done. <laughs> you planned it that way, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> um, thoughts on North Dakota coming to town? I, I'm really glad that we got that that win on Sunday. I think that that makes a huge difference with them coming in, especially with a little bit shorter week. I think if they had gotten swept at home. Uh, the morale would have been a little lower. So I'm I'm optimistic. I'm always optimistic. What am I saying? Yeah, first time we get to see w- yeah get to see North Dakota this season. That's always an exciting yeah. series, and and they've got guys like Shane Pinto and Jordan Kawaguchi. Which reminds me, I've got like a Hot Wheels Pinto from back in the 1970s that's green that says Poison Pinto on it, and we need to make that. That needs to become a like a a meme, a meme for this weekend. Okay. Yeah. Done. Put some put some smoke off the tires and uh-huh. turn it yep. into a gif. Yeah, and have it. Well, if it was on fire, that would be bad because that would mean he was doing well. Maybe it would have to like crash. Like, yeah, that's the question. Go. If it burst into flames, does that mean he's like on he's fire? On fire, doing well, or yeah, maybe does like a puck need to drop on it or something? Ooh, yeah. <sighs> We'll give it some thought. We're giving away all our trade go. secrets here have on the podcast. It, have it sitting there on fire, and the UNO logo comes down and just snuffs it out. Ooh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What do you so, think, Jason? Welcome, to, welcome to the, welcome to the gift creation. <laughs> <podcast>. <laughs> Changing it up on the fly. Um, I was, I, I'm like you, you know. If if we had, if this streak had continued and we couldn't beat Denver, uh, I'd worry about the guys just kind of thinking, second guessing themselves, second guessing their talents, thinking uh, too much about what they need to do, holding their sticks too tight. This is a team that's going to play better when they're fast and loose you know uh there's some speed on the team and and we need to use that i north dakota is good i've seen them uh in the pod we've seen them after the pod they are the real deal they you know are contenders on a national level i would venture to say that this year's team's better than last year's team which is saying a lot so it's not an easy task for UNO and they're in a very nice position. They're six points back at St. Cloud with three whole games. So two games back with three games in hand on St. Cloud. So you've got a chance to leapfrog St. Cloud into, you know, second place and a sweep of North Dakota would put you within striking distance and a ton of games against them still left. So UNO had talked about where they wanted to be at the at the end of the pod, and we had talked about kind of what our expectations were for them at the end of the pod and how that would set them up for the second half of the season, and they've done it. So now it's kind of to that point of you put yourself in a good position. Can you capitalize on it? And really, that's the, the key. Which team will we see from last weekend 
which team will show up against North Dakota. I really hope it's the Sunday team. Yeah, and you've got to be mindful of their offensive threats. As I mentioned, Shane Pinto, but guys like Jordan Kawaguchi, Grant Mismash, names that we've seem like they've been there for the last 10 years. Um, You've (laughs) got to be careful. They have solid goaltending, so... uh, but you can't get frustrated early on, and that's the thing. When you've got a team that with that much high firepower, you know, UNO's got to be careful about forcing things. They've got to be careful about, you know, making bad plays in the neutral zone, causing odd man rushes for North Dakota. Finish, right? Yep. They're not going to get a lot of opportunities against North Dakota, just the way that they play. You know, UNO has to rely heavily on Seville in that I – I assume, assume. I, I don't know why we wouldn't yeah. see him um, both nights. You know, he's going to have to have a good game. The defense is going to have to play well in front of him so that the chances that North Dakota gets aren't, aren't grade A scoring opportunities. And then you have to realize that you're going to get a few chances here, but not many. And when you get one of those chances, bury it. And if UNO can come out and capitalize on the opportunities that they get uh, and minimize the dangerous situations... I think they have a legitimate chance of sweeping North Dakota. And I think they need to be resilient in case they do get down early because you can't count on getting that that first goal, and they've got to just battle back, which we saw them do, particularly in the pod, you know, being able to bounce back from, you know, those kinds of things. I think uh, the emotional resilience is going to be a, a critical component yeah, they, to this they've, series. They've got to avoid taking stupid emotional penalties. And getting baited yeah. into stuff. Yep, and getting baited into stuff because that will happen during this series. So, Jason's picking the sweep. He's he's did doing he, what? Did he actually officially no. pick oh, the he sweep? He thinks they could sweep. No, 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 no. Okay. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'm, right. I'm, I'm picking the sweep. Possible. I did not say I think that's actually going to work. I'm picking the sweep. I th- I think we sweep. I'll, I'll tell you why. Because North Dakota is one of those teams, and it reminds me of when we were in the CCHA. Michigan State was a top tier program when, during the years when we were in that conference. That was before they fell on hard times, and that was a team we always seemed to have a tremendous amount of success against, especially on the road at Mun Ice Arena. And so I look at North Dakota in a similar fashion. You know, obviously we haven't, you know, had, a, you know, a lot of success, but we... We have against them, really. We tend to know. be a team that, that you know, by and large, we've been able to split against them at home and on the road. We've done really well against this team over the years, especially with some of the incarnations of the UNO team that just weren't particularly strong. We play well against North Dakota, and I think that's just a sign of North Dakota. It's a team that you get up for. So I think UNO will definitely be up for this series, and I think that they're going to sweep at Baxter Arena with that with that vaunted home ice advantage that we have with our 1500 or fewer people <laughs> in the stands. I, you know, <laughs> okay. it'll just be interesting to see how many are wearing green. I'm really curious. 1500 fans in the stands, a thousand of which are going to be North Dakota fans. Yeah. No, don't remind uh, me, dude. Uh, again, this is why I'm going to bring my, bring my face covering <laughs> my face shield and Old my guard. mask. Um, I, I am an internal optimist, um, but unlike my husband here, I am going to pick the split. Um, I think Friday night the, they'll uh, have a little bit of lagging, um, you know, effect. Again, the pod, they played back-to-back-to-back a lot, um, so that, that short turnaround time I don't think is necessarily the, the biggest thing. But coming off of such an emotional win against Denver, uh, it would be natural to, uh, you know, maybe – 
let let a little bit uh, of that factor in. So I'm going to say it's going to be close on Friday night, but ultimately we're going to lose, and then we're going to come back and win on on Saturday night for a, a split. So uh, you think UNO wins on Saturday? Saturday, yep. On Friday. Yeah, that said? Okay. that's what I said. I part of me wants to say that we're going to lose both games just so that we've got all. I know that's what you said. Jason's like, we are never having three people on again because it puts me into this kind of thing where I have to be different because I know you like to be different. So Jason's like, I say UNO gets swept and uh, <laughs> and the world wait, wait, wait. ends. There's a there's a fourth option. I'm going to predict that COVID takes a hole in the games. <laughs> Yeah, you know, North Dakota has not had their COVID scare, have they? No. And, and we heard they had it. We heard they had it before the season. That oh, was, we heard they I had it back in September. The team okay. had it before the pod because they were talking about whether or not they'd even make the pod. Yeah, there was a oh, there was a, okay. a bar incident or something up in North Dakota, yeah. and there was COVID spread. And oh yeah, wow, was, I'm, yeah. I missed this drama. Okay, yeah. So I'm sorry about that. So they're so no COVID. Yeah, that was, dude, COVID that was did not. So last year, man. Come on. <laughs> that was so Literally. 2020. Yeah. Okay. Literally. <laughs> um, I am gonna go with Bridget. I'm going to say that there's a split, but I'm going to flip the script in that. I think they come out. I think they play with a lot of energy. And North Dakota seems to... It happened with Denver. Like, that first game sometimes kind of catches them a little bit. So, I'm going to say UNO catches them off guard and beats them on Friday. And then North Dakota just, you know, says, well, we're North Dakota and we're going to beat you on Saturday. So... That was a good good mixture of of opinions. I mean, we didn't have, you know the exact same scenario so that's that's good we'll just have to see how it all plays out we will have to see how it all plays out and that prediction could very well come true jason and i just you know you look at uh you look at you know the north dakota series at du they lost the first game four to one to the pioneers and then they came back and 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 won five to one so that could be the that could be the type of series that North Dakota has this weekend. We catch them off guard on Friday because we haven't seen them this season. And then they, you know, wear their black uniforms on Saturday and they just light it up. Just have no idea. But that's the thing we talked about way back at the beginning of the season is, is that UNO's in this. They have the opportunity. They have the talent. Um, so even though two of us picked splits or something... I fully believe that they have the capability to make your prediction come true and actually sweep North Dakota. It, it's on the guys. You, you totally determine your um, opportunities and your path in life. And so I'm sure coach is talking to them and getting them prepared and it's just going to be an execution game. Yeah, absolutely. So go out there and get the sweet maps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'll be exciting hockey for sure. That no matter right. you know win, lose or draw, win, lose, it's yeah. definitely going to be exciting. That's for sure. Yeah, and I guess I would say for those of you that have decided to stay at home, like Jason and Jolene and their daughters, and watch the games, uh, if you're trying to you know get a little a little bit of a taste of what the games are like, be sure to follow Mav Puck on Twitter. Uh, we try to post some game photos, some game videos, try to give you a feel for what's going on. Uh, at the games, uh, you can also follow Mav Puck uh, on Facebook as well, and you can find links to 
all of our social media at mavpuck.com, as well as back episodes of this podcast. So until next time, go Mavs. Go Mavs. Go Mavs.